Welcome to REI Spotlight, Episode 1. I am your host, David Schwann, and today's guest is Anna Myers, the VP of Grow Capitus. Hello, Anna. How are you hey, today? David. I'm doing fantastic. So glad to be here with you. Glad to have you. Um, you had started as a volunteer for Grow Capitus, and you've now just recently been promoted to VP. Um, what, uh, how did you, uh, how did you get into the real estate space? Um, well, actually I was kind of born into the real estate space. My, um, I'm the youngest grandchild of a commercial real estate, um, maverick in, from, that was in Southern California. My grandfather, um, actually, he actually moved from Tampa, Florida to Southern California cause he saw how hot the real estate market was and he started flipping houses back in the day this was back in probably the 20s and 30s he flipped houses oh and so then, you're, you're you're old school <laughs> so yeah so so i come from like real estate commercial real estate royalty in a certain in certain regards um some people have said that to me but uh so he started flipping houses and built you know built from nothing into a multimillionaire, which was a lot to be a multimillionaire in the in the 50s so what he ended up doing was buying um, orange groves and walnut groves and then building shopping malls. So, um, he's, uh, yeah, so he actually became pretty, pretty big and we, you know, had a lot of commercial property. We had a commercial, uh, real estate, uh, you know, company and had shopping malls and all that stuff. And my father's an architect. My uncles are all developers. My cousins, everybody worked in the commercial real estate space. So, like I say, I was pretty much born into it, but of course that's not what I did. I actually went into computers um, from a young age and became a programmer very young. So um, I actually had a child very young. I was a single parent and so I had to get serious pretty darn quick. Um, I didn't have any um, assistance from that child's father. So I really had to find a way to make money and put myself through school. Um, so at that time I figured out that um, one, I was pretty good at it because I'm, pre I'm a great problem solver, but um, I was a good programmer and as a programmer, in at that time frame in the uh let's see that was the 80s i could make as a very young person i could make 25 35 45 dollars an hour without a degree yet so um so that's what i did and so i became a programmer and went into the it world um so that's how i first got into technology and um got serious about it so so quickly awesome awesome um so where are, where, where, where are you, uh, what are you into now? Where, you know, where are you at now? So, so what happened in my, through my tech career, um, I became very successful and, you know, when you're doing successful things, you tend to make money, right? Well, what happened is the um, government really likes to take all of that money. And what I realized is I needed to find a way to keep more of my money. I was always told growing up, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yes. So with that mindset, I said, well, okay, well, how am I going to keep more of this? So I'm not just working to pay taxes. And I said, well, of course, I've got to go back to real estate because of all the write-offs in real estate. So I started investing um, out of state. So I, I uh, born and raised in California. Uh, started investing out of state in 2006 and buying rental houses um, and uh, small small multis and that type of thing. So my light just went out. So um, that is how I 
got into the real estate space on, you know, going back to my family roots and started investing at that time, there wasn't any sites like bigger pockets or anything like that. So you just kind of had to wing it for to a certain extent. And I definitely had my, my share of bad deals um, that happened, learned a lot along the way. Um, and then what I've learned um, more recently is the scalability is really important. So if you're going to be in real estate, instead of owning a bunch of houses and maxing out like 10 loans, you know, for my husband and I each getting 20 single family houses, it is way more scalable to go straight into purchasing multifamily. So, yeah. and so that's where I went. Uh, and in the course of going that route, I took a class a year ago, actually. It was an online boot camp with Neil Bawa. Um, I had seen him speak at some conferences before. And uh, again, my background in technology has, I'm a very data oriented person. I'm all about the numbers. And so when I saw him speak at this conference and he was talking about real estate trends and how, you know, looking at all this data and I was like, this guy, I really, this really resonates with me. Yeah. You got so when I, Yeah. I was like, I totally like this just makes so much sense to me. So when I saw that he was doing a boot camp, and one of my good friends said, Oh, I took the boot camp, that boot camp before it was really good. So I said, Great, I'm gonna take it. So I signed up for it. And it and he teaches multifamily. And so I was like, that was right up my alley. And um, so I in the process of learning um, multifamily from him. At that boot camp, he asked for volunteers for writing a deal analyzer, which is like basically a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. that helps you analyze, um, especially a large multifamily. It's called underwriting. A lot of people aren't familiar with it. When they're familiar with just like single family, they think of underwriting as something a bank does. But when you're, when you're doing multifamily acquisition, you underwrite the building before you even, uh, and, and that's a, just a more complicated Excel spreadsheet to understand the numbers before you even place an offer on it. So my background is in financial programming as well. So when he asked for people to help write this, I'm like, me, I can, I can help you with that. And um, so then with, when you sign up for a boot camp with him, you get a one-on-one -on -one calls. So in my one-on-one -on -one call with him, I was like, Hey, Neil, I volunteered. And by the way, I want you to know my background as a programmer, it, you know, I've been programming financial spreadsheets for, you know, 20 years. I've also run remote teams of people all over the world of programmers, like managed all them. And he's like, great, you're my lead. So, <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'm the lead. And so I had, you know, I had a group of people that I was leading and um, got the deal analyzer um, going. What I didn't realize at the time was that Neil was transitioning from a company that he was moving out of into his own company that was a new company. I had no idea that was going on. But what he was doing was he was looking for a new underwriter. And so by, by doing this process of looking for volunteers, he was seeing if he could find somebody. And in that process, he found me. So I became his lead underwriter. And then um, through my various other skill sets I have that I've applied to the company, and uh, he has now promoted me to be the vice president. It's nice when things line up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is very, yeah. very, very nice. Um, so so it, the, would you say the, the programming side of it is your passion or the real estate side of it or... You know, I would say, I would say the people side of it is my passion, which may be a strange answer coming from somebody who claims to be a programmer, 
but my passion has always been people. And what I love ab about computers is, is um, conveying data and information to human beings. So I, I have an extra special skill in user interface. I was a user interface architect. And so for large companies, I was the one who, you know, would say, this is how the interface should be, like, this is what makes sense, and kind of ran the design teams and the programming teams to make that all come together. So to me, it's where the computer meets the human being. And I think real estate is like that as well. It's, it's a very, um, you're, you're purchasing spaces that are for people to live in. You're working with, it's also a very relationship-based business. So that's my answer. It's the people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I want my model to be. Is it's not necessarily all about just the bottom line number. It's about the people who you are providing housing for. That is a, you know, that's a huge factor. I mean, because you are a factor in their lives. You know, a yeah. factor in their lives. Yeah, and well, and the other people that are are part of that whole situation are the investors. So what we're giving people that really don't have they don't necessarily have the knowledge or they might have the knowledge, but they don't have the time to find those deals, vet those deals. And, and, but we're giving them the opportunity to be part of a deal and get very good returns with a solid team of people that are managing their return. And when you invest in multifamily as a passive investor, not only do you get the returns, but you also get the um, tax write-offs. So the, which is amazing. So the depreciation through cost segregation it's fantastic. You're getting this, this, this monthly income or quarterly income usually. And it's, it's tax-free for the first few years because of all the depreciation of the building. So it's pretty amazing that you can be a passive investor with an excellent team of people that are running it daily for you. And then you still get the tax write-off. It's, it's an amazing uh, thing. Again, that's another really key people side because we're changing people's you know, futures with their ability to really um, develop income and wealth as a passive investor. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love about the multifamily space is just the, you know, how much there's just so many benefits is, you know, and like you said, I mean, you have the key, the key parts, you have the principal and the managers that are watching and making sure, but, you know, just the benefits of the whole multifamily space is just so awesome. Yes. Yeah. Um, what would you say would be the favorite deal that you have been involved with? Um, well, I'll, can I give you my personal favorite deal as well as my, um, partnered favorite go, deal deal? Go okay. we, we, whichever one you want. We're, we're, we're open to it. Okay. So, um, for those of you out there that, that know a thing or two about 1031s or are thinking about doing 1031s where you're, you're selling one asset and moving it into another asset to avoid paying taxes, and it needs to be an investment that you're selling, not your primary house. However, um, being that I'm from a commercial real estate family, I know a, a thing or two about how to trick that system. So what my husband and I did is we had this property in the Bay Area for, uh, at that point, we'd owned it for 16 years. It had a lot of equity in it. Our kids moved away to college. It was too big for us to like live in anymore by ourselves. It didn't make sense with our pets. So we moved out of that house. We moved into a smaller rental and we rented that house out. We rented it out for two years. And in the process, we had converted our primary residence into a hybrid, which was still our primary residence to the IRS but it was also an investment vehicle. The, the, the IRS now looked at it as both. 
So that's when we terminated the lease. You know, we didn't renew the lease for the people that were in there. They moved out. We sold the house. And in the process of selling, we were able to keep the 121 exclusion. That's, you know, when you're married, that's up to 500000 tax-free. And then the equity above that amount, because it's California Bay Area, and there was equity above that amount, we were able to 1031 into another investment property. Awesome. Awesome. So, so that was a pretty great deal and something that a lot of people don't know about. They just don't realize that you, that you can do that. And uh, you just have to know all the levers to pull in real estate. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so now I, I'd like to talk about some of my favorite, well, I'll, I'll just choose one, the <laughs> uh, favorite um, syndication deal. Okay. So, um, so we just recently acquired a property in Dalton, Georgia, which is a, it's in the Chattanooga Metro. Um, it's right outside the Chattanooga Metro. It's in the Metro, but it's, you know, right outside of Tennessee. It's, it's in Georgia and it is 151 units. Um, and as our, our operating partner that lives in Atlanta brought us the deal and wanted to partner with us on, on we, what we do is we find great partners and, and we uh, bring equity to the deal. So we've got a lot of great investors and we were partnered when, so he brought us the deal. We're like, yes, we really like this deal. Let's partner with you on it. 151 units, B-class property, up and coming Metro. What we realized pretty soon into it is not only did we have the 151 units, but there was a building that had burnt down. So there was 20 units that were no longer there, but the pad was there. The, the utilities are all there. The parking is there. The zoning is there. Everything is there. But when we purchased the property, we paid for 151 units. So, and we got, you know, it was off market. The previous owners had owned it for like 25 years. It was like the Coca, part of the Coca-Cola family or something like that. So very well taken care of property. Um, so we're able to do this as a value add renovation. And then on top of it, the icing on the cake is we get to build 20 units and re rebuild those 20 units and bring in massive amounts of more uh, returns for our investors on that project. That so awesome. we always love um, like hidden upsides. Um, so, you know, you, you're always looking for value add that, that you can turn and add value to and, and push the, um, the returns on. But this is just fantastic the way we're able to push this with this, with this upside of the burnt units. That is, that, that is an awesome deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a great deal. Um, what uh, what would you say is your favorite either real estate or business book that uh, you you would say is a must read? Um, well, I one of my favorite current books that I've read on in the syndication world is um, Joe Fairless's book. I think it's a very very high quality uh, book. Is it the best ever syndication, something like that. It's yeah, the best, best, the best ever, ever syndication book. It, it must be a best ever something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's best ever book. something, but I, I, I have to say that I, ha I can't go someplace and talk about multifamily without bringing that book up. I, yeah, I agree with that. That is a really, very, really very well written. Very well written. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm actually on uh, my fifth syndication deal. So I'd say I know a thing or two about how, how it, you know, how the whole process works at this point. And I can confirm that like what he's saying is really spot on, you know, it's really, really well. I, I think the organization is great and I'm, I'm all about organization and I, I just think it's a high, very high quality book. The price tag is steep 
when you look at that book and you say, wow, that's, that was like 40 bucks or 45 bucks. Uh, I think, I think when I bought it, it was like 50, I think I paid 57 and I okay. was like, I, I was a little nervous. I was like, 60 bucks for a book. I haven't exactly. paid that much since college for a book. Exactly. And, and so then, like I read the second chapter and I'm going, why do you sell me this book so cheap? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think people should, should not look at the price tag and, and be deterred and say like, wow, who they think they are charging this much. It's worth it. You will use that book over and over again. Um, so I think it's worth it. I agree. I agree. Um, I guess the last piece would be, uh, what would you say would be the best advice you could give to somebody that is new in the business or actually even existing? What, what would be your uh, favorite piece of advice to give? Um, I think the, to get, to find good sources of education. Um, education is really important in, um, in real estate, well, in anything, but in the real estate space, you want to really get educated and you will you want to find partners um, if you're looking for larger deals and when you are going to conferences and going to boot camps and that type of thing you were able to combine those two activities in one um, when you're doing multifamily you will need more than one person you're not going to buy it all by yourself if you're using other people's money especially um, so you need partners and uh, we actually have a boot camp coming up on March 4th. We have an e-boot camp. I teach the underwriting for it. Um, and Neil teaches the, the other parts of the course. So in that process, we're teaching people how to, um, how to become syndicators or if they're not going to be syndicators, how to just purchase multifamily on their own. Um, and then the other opportunity is meeting people from all over the nation and being able to partner with them and network with them. So I like that it brings those two things together. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I thank you so much, especially for uh, being the first guest on episode one. We thank you very much, and I hope you have a fine evening. Okay, thanks.